I'm Chris Reback. Welcome to Quick Conversations, our podcast that explores the extraordinary world of global supply chain logistics, how it keeps business and life moving. Sometimes the world of time-critical shipping can mean the difference between life or death. Blood, organs for transplants, human tissue, cell or gene immunotherapies. Ensuring their safe delivery, getting them often from one side of the country to the other where a hospital patient waits, brings global supply chain logistics challenges to a whole new level. And you don't have to tell Dave Murphy. Murphy is Executive Vice President of Quick Specialized Healthcare Logistics. For more than 30 years, he has seen and managed through the challenges and changes in global supply chain management. But there are also questions. How has the evolution of personalized medicine impacted global supply chain logistics? What technologies are most important to know about and rely on? And how do you deliver life-critical organs or medical devices when natural disasters or virus epidemics seem to lurk around every corner? I have a quick request, though, before I get to chat with Dave. If you like these quick conversations, I'd be grateful if you'd take a moment, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and leave a five-star review. Several of you have already. Thank you. That's it. Here's my conversation with Dave Murphy. Dave, thanks for joining me. I appreciate your time. Chris, it's a pleasure to be here. So to start out, tell me a bit about the quick specialized healthcare logistics business. How do you run logistics when there is literally no room for error? Well, the, the quick specialized healthcare logistics unit, the business unit, was uh, developed many years ago. It was shortly after my arrival at Quick in August of 1988. Uh, I represented most uh, of the healthcare organizations uh, in the Midwest. And, and over the years, it grew into a, a commodity that we, that we really truly specialized in, um, representing the, the laboratories uh, for pre-testing of uh, virology samples for transplant, uh, the tissues that are, are uh, are uh, pro, you know procured for the tissue tissue producers the organs that are going to be used for whole organ transplant, and it really evolved from from that very you know beginning. Um, also representing the the blood banks, and we've continued to uh, to forge ahead, finding new alternative means of transportation to uh, To represent that community, because uh, one thing is for sure that um, while it might be considered a commodity to some, uh, this is a mission. Every shipment that we are involved with is a mission, and it and it it desires to have the attention and the focus of a team that's dedicated to to truly, you know, act as a part of the healthcare and life saving team that is engaged with each and every one of these uh, these these shipments. Yeah, I, I don't want to overstate things, so you correct me if I'm wrong, but you are moving and shipping and transporting materials that really are life and death. There's no question about it. Um, and, the, you know, the unique thing about that business model is you just don't know when it's going to happen. You know, mm. unfortunately, in this industry, 
Um, there is no schedule, you know, so you have to be prepared 24 hours a day, 365 days a year with the best, most articulate and, you know, uh, qualified individuals around the clock, you know, on Christmas Day, uh, Thanksgiving, you know, you name it. We are here in the offices representing that community. Yeah, no business wants any room for error, obviously. Every business operates with, you know, wants to operate with as much precision as possible. But when you talk about no room for error, in many cases, I mean, you mean that quite literally. A large portion of what we do, and this is from top to bottom, you know, we have to mitigate risk mm. because risk risk can cause a bad day for many. So we're not only, you know, choosing the best uh, transportation uh, for a particular <clears throat> shipment, but we're also having to navigate around, uh, you know, security issues, uh, weather issues, um, you know, health issues. You know, we, you know, we're, we're reading in the news and we're living it every day, uh, the coronavirus. You know, how is that potentially going to impact what we do on a daily basis? You know, listening to you, I'm almost separating these into two buckets of risks. There's one set of risks that, I mean, in in all cases, you don't know what the risk's going to be. But there's this one bucket of risks where, yeah, you kind of know stuff happens. You know that there are weather problems. You may have a heads up on, you know, various uh, transportation blockages or outages. And, and, and their risks, they can come up any time, but, but you kind of know those do occur. And then there is just the stuff out of the blue that you – potentially couldn't have even expected, maybe coronavirus is one of them, but that, I mean, there's this whole other category of risk of of these unknown, unexpected, unknowable risks. Yeah. Um, a, a good example of that is, uh, you know, let's say a security breach at one of the major airlines. <clears throat> mm. When when that happens, and this is in the, the passenger terminal, when when there is a security breach, they're traditionally going to close down that terminal. They're going to make every person in that terminal exit the terminal and re-enter through security. Well, what that happened, what happens with that is, you know, flights are delayed. All the ground activity of loading and unloading the flight could be disrupted. You know, we have parcels that need to be on specific flights that very potentially won't get on their intended flight. So we have to triage this. We have to look at, okay, what is going to be the next available uh, opportunity for us to get this kidney from point A to point B? So, yes, that's a very, it's a very good point and, and oftentimes an overlooked point uh, because these things do occur, and they occur at the <laughs> worst times, trust me. I'm sure that they do. Take me through, give me a list. What are the types of products that you're moving? The specialty healthcare logistics uh, unit uh, routinely handles uh, blood, tissue, meaning tissue that is not going to be used for transplant. So skin, cornea, uh, cardiovascular, musculoskeletal, uh, organs for transplant. So, uh, so kidneys, livers, uh, pancreas. Mm. We're not involved as much in the heart and lung because of the short cold time or the ischemic time on, on those organs. Uh, 
Uh, and then all the accompanying uh, uh, blood samples that need to be tested in, in a very quick and timely and effective manner uh, pre-transplant. Mm. And I understand that and cell and gene therapies, that is a growing area that you work in, isn't it? That community is, uh, is remarkable. Uh, we were very fortunate enough to, to partake in that industry uh, uh, from a, about, oh, I'd say 2006, 2007. And we were responsible for bringing the very first personalized medication uh, using dendriatic cells uh, to FDA approval. And we still continue to represent that, that client today. It is the uh, the new science uh, that has everyone uh, very interested. Uh, we're hearing stories of cure, and it's you know how often in our lifetimes can can we be a part of of a therapy with the word cure attached to it? So it's really exciting for us. And how much is that segment growing? I mean, I, my assumption is that as that's growing in the medical field, that that's growing as well within your area and the urgencies and complications must be growing as well because the more one does of something the the more moving parts there are yeah it's 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 without a question in 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 my business unit the fastest growing um product that we represent there the early success of these therapies have brought many of the biotechs and small pharma organizations uh, rapidly into the mix. And so we are representing many, and, and it's, it's very complicated. Um, it's, you know, we're talking about an individual patient. We're not talking about a, a, a drug product that would be, if successful, dosed to hundreds of thousands of people. We're talking about a therapy mm. that is designed to to help one individual. So you can understand the, the, the chain of custody requirements just surrounding that type of shipment. As the world of personalized medicine has changed, has that necessarily affected your approach to managing a global supply chain? Yes, there's no question. I mean, the, the requirements that are necessary to represent that community are, you know, 10 rungs above just about anything else that we've ever done. Um, it almost, to, to be honest, has, um, has given us the opportunity to retool a lot of the areas that um, were considered, you know, uh, you know, sustainable, but they just were not good enough. So mm -hmm. our, our ground network, our, you know, they, the information that we share with the airlines, which is critical. I mean, getting the airlines to truly understand the nature of the business that we're providing them to move these therapies from point A to point B. So, so the, the key is to try to get everybody on the same page, all the stakeholders in, in a particular transportation moment, getting everybody on the same page so that you can – you can manage the the expectations much better. I was just going to ask you about the expectations from from the client point of view. Who do you think of as the client, and what are their expectations on you? Well, to be truthful, 
our client is the patient that is is going to be receiving these therapies. Mm. Yes, we represent all of the organizations that are are creating these therapies and manufacturing these therapies. And then, you know, traditionally, those would be considered our clients. But there is one common denominator here with all of us. When we sit with these clients, these pharma companies, these biotechs, it is agreed that the client is the patient. And, and that's the way we look at things. And that's the way my staff looks at things. Every single shipment is a patient's cells. And it just changes the dynamic, uh, the emotion in the, in the call center. Um, it's, it really is a, a wonderful time in our careers to be so close to something so special. We often hear the phrase that uh, all business is personal. I guess in your world that takes on a different meaning. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we are truly in a in a world with our staff that we are we're dealing with potential life and death situations every single day, multiple times a day, and uh, you have to be good. You know, we talk about risks. We talk about. Uh, mitigating, uh, you know, and anything that could possibly interrupt a transportation uh, uh, event. But it really comes down to staff, you know, mm-hmm. and, and our staff is so highly tenured and has do, been doing this for the blood community, the organ community, the tissue community for so many years. There's a very cr- close relationship with the requirements of, of the, the cell and gene therapy and our traditional healthcare customers. And it, it really, I can't express how proud I am of, of our staff, how, how good it is to have people that you've known for many, many years, you know, taking these calls, making the routings, um, you know, dealing with the uh, airlines. These are the people that allow me to get the four hours of sleep at night. <laughs> oh, so, you, so you've increased it then, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, in listening to you, every business talks about the importance of people. And so many businesses talk about the importance of institutional knowledge and historical knowledge. But again, it really must take on a different uh, meaning in your world because having, there's so, there's so many, there, there just must be so many particular requirements. I mean, you're talking about not just perishable goods. These aren't, you know, flowers or fruit or, you know, you know, food. This is life and death materials. This is blood. These are corneas. These are uh, pancreases. That the historical knowledge has to be central to to, to separating you from, from others. And, and I would imagine, um, defining the service that you're able to give. Yeah. Every, you know, every organ, uh, has a requirement that is a general requirement when it comes to the time, uh, you know, what they consider cold time, uh, speaking of organs, Mm -hmm. but then it really is, it's up to the surgeon and what the surgeon prefers. Um, so oftentimes, you know, we could be we could be handling a shipment uh, today of uh, of let's say a kidney. Well, kidneys, you know, traditionally are allowed somewhere between you know eight and twenty hours uh, between the time it's uh, it's explanted and implanted. 
Now, that changes. Everyone wants it as quickly as possible, but it gives you some options. You can you can think about what is the best, least risky way to get it from point A to point B. Many of these uh, you know, organs and therapies don't have that requirement. We have one product that we deal with that has a 17-hour uh, shelf life. Wow. If it's 17 hours and one minute after that time, that product can't be used. And, and for our staff to be able to, to manage that by, by client, by product, by packaging type, uh, by temperature, by chain of custody, it's, it's an enormous task. And again, it goes back to the staff that really makes it work. Yeah. It, I'm imagining you almost have to imagine a human face on every package, every delivery, every logistics decision that you make. There's no question. And, you know, these folks, they, they go home at night feeling good about what they did during mm. the day. And, and for, for a, a service industry to be able to, you know, if you think about it, um, many of us in, in the world, the working world, we go home, uh, we wake up, we do the same job uh, over and over. Yeah. This, this job, uh, while that may be the case, we do things over and over, you know, many of us go home at night knowing that we really made a difference. And, and that's the key. I mean, and, and there's something to be said about the emotional side of what a person does uh, in their everyday work life. And, and it's, it's gratifying to me. And I know it's gratifying. I can speak for a lot of the people in the, in the control tower, um, that it's, it's one of the best parts of their job is to know that they've helped somebody. Let me ask you from the client point of view, um, what do clients producing these personalized medicines need to know about your process, about your efforts, about what goes into what you do and what it means for them? Well, this is a great question. And it's, it's really when we first get engaged with a client who is proposing on, uh, you know, doing a study for melanoma, uh, you know, a cell and gene therapy uh, uh, product, it's really, really important to engage with us first. Uh, before you even think about where the patients are going to be, before you think about where the the uh, contract manufacturer may be, you need to talk to us because we've seen it happen. And I can give you an example where people make decisions, you know, that affect logistics very early on, and they write it into a, a BLA, a biological license, licensing application. And once they do that, they're stuck. They, they can't make those changes. And, and if they do, it's, it's timely and costly. Um, so engaging with us so that we can map out, okay, you're going to have patients in 10 cities. Your manufacturing location is going to be in this city. Let's look at all the logistics. Let's give you a primary source of transportation. Let's give you a backup and a tertiary. Oftentimes that requires using the commercial airlines as the primary. But if something happens, weather, mechanical, um, you name it, um, the backup could possibly be an onboard courier or a direct drive as, as far as you know, 1,500 miles away, putting a team of people in a, in a vehicle. And then finally, if, if, that, if that's not an, a reasonable solution to meet the client's needs, 
we're talking chartering airplanes to to move these therapies around and we we do it all uh chris it's it's an enormous uh feat but to get back to my earlier point the earlier we are engaged to discuss these things so that they can make then better decisions down the line packaging types packaging sizes uh, maybe they can have a choice as to where their manufacturing location is because it's not as desirable or accessible uh, for those 10 locations that will have patients. All of this needs to be discussed very early on. So you're really in the advisory business as well. Um, it, it's become that way. Yes, there's no question about it. But again, you know, as I mentioned earlier, when we engage with these organizations, it's about the patient. So mm-hmm. we are there rolling up our sleeves along with our clients, and we're going to make it work. And that's the key, is to, to have those types of relationships with these, with these uh, organizations that are creating these wonderful therapies. Let us be a part of the process. We're part of your team. You, you're part of our team. That's how we have successfully uh, rung the bell for this industry. You have been in the industry, as you said, in specialized healthcare logistics for a while. How have the logistics tools and the technologies developed? What are the newest best practices? What's state of the art in 2020? Well, we've had GPS on our phones for many years. Um, GPS is, is becoming more of an integral component to each and every shipment that we manage. Um, we, uh, we have a, a fleet of GPS units uh, within our call centers. Uh, control towers that are often um, deployed uh, to a pickup location where it's then attached to the shipment so that we have we have visibility over something that is is out of our control for a short, short period of time and that's when it's with the commercial airlines that's becoming more and more the common ask these days uh, to have a GPS uh, attached to any one of these shipments um, when you have, particularly with the cell and gene therapies, uh, where you have uh, a, a kind of a schedule or you have, a, you, you, you have already identified your origins, you know where your destinations are, uh, the logistics behind placement of these units is, is somewhat standard at that point. Um, you know, and, and the airlines have also stepped up to the plate. The airlines do have enhanced services to their mm. exist to their existing products that they will provide a GPS while it's in their custody. So when we tender it to the airline, oftentimes the airlines will have a service that they can provide a GPS. They'll put it on the exterior portion of the box when it arrives in its destination city. It's removed from the box. My my person is there to recover that shipment, and he's en route to the to the hospital. So this gives us what I would like to say is complete visibility. Now, there are some things that happen when the airline takes off, and based upon uh, an altitude. Uh, adjustment, uh, those GPS units, much like your phone, when it goes into airplane mode, will turn off. Mm. And then when it gets to a certain um, elevation, it will turn back on. So there is, but but you know that it left Atlanta, right? Yeah. You know yeah. it left at Atlanta at precisely the time it needed to. You know it, it arrived in Los Angeles. 
the 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 thing you don't know is where is it between LA uh, Atlanta and LA, but you those are two real key points, and that's why the value of those devices is is so important. And you're tracking the flight during while it's en route, so you may not be getting the data from the GPS itself, but whether it's flight aware or whatever tracking of the flight, you you know where that package is every single moment. That's correct. That's correct. And, you know, and, and our, to, to further on the technology front, all of those, um, those links are attached to our job. So if somebody is, you know, a client might be tracking our, uh, their, their shipment on our website and there's links to flight aware. You can, you can see the GPS location. You can see the temperature monitor, uh, yeah. oftentimes from, from the desktop. So you know that you're, the uh, the intended temperature that your product needs to be shipped at is visible to them. Um, it's it's remarkable technology and it's available in most cases, um, and we use them all. What about different kinds of packaging? Packaging uh, over the last ten years of my career has has really really been phenomenal when it comes to the improvement. Um, there are so many packaging choices for clients out there, and these are things that we like to discuss very early on, as I, as I just mentioned. But the technology that's attached to some of these the, these packaging uh, systems is remarkable. Um, you know, they they also many of these uh, therapies that are being shipped at uh, in a deep frozen state, meaning on liquid nitrogen at minus one hundred and eighty degrees. Um, they have GPS units, they have temperature monitors, they have tilt indicators, they have humidity indicators, they have it all, all the bells and whistles. So you, you, clients really have uh, full visibility of these shipments, um, and that is important, and that's required uh, by these organizations, along with a, a, very, a very strong chain of custody uh, knowing that these shipments need to go to one person and one person only. It's interesting. I mentioned the retooling of, of a lot of our, our ground network. Back in the day, you know, if somebody wanted something delivered this afternoon at four o'clock and we happen to, you know, do everything that we possibly can and we can make the delivery at three o'clock. If we made that delivery at three o'clock, it was a very big win for the client for us. Sure. In today's world, the, with such high expectations on chain of custody, when a client requires a delivery at 4 o'clock, they mean at 4 o'clock. 3 yeah. o'clock is, uh, is unacceptable. And it also needs to go to a specific individual. So these are also challenges that we, that we face and that we manage every day. Dave, this is a unique industry, to say the least, specialized healthcare logistics. The specialized healthcare business. For them, what is the role? What's the importance of a global supply chain? A global supply chain that runs well, that gets the job done. Well, I think when when you when you look at it from a global perspective, it's it's about consistency. It's about being able to provide um, and and cover the same expectations domestically as you as you can globally. Um, it's very difficult to have different rules of, of transportation engagement um, just because of where you're shipping from or sending to. 
So all of the things that I've described to you don't change, mm. um, you know, given the origin or the destination. Um, we have a, a, a wonderful team in uh, the London uh, uh, facility that represents specialty healthcare logistics and the cell and gene therapy community. Um, traditionally, the evolution of these therapies begins in the U.S., not all, but most. Uh, and then the next step after U.S. approval is is often going to be um, EU approval for these therapies. So there's there's a lot going on. And depending upon where their manufacturing is, it could require us um, to to make a collection, uh, send it to an intermediary where fresh uh, uh, product is is brought down to minus 180 levels, uh, where it's then re re collected by our team. Uh, it's sent on a flight back to the U.S. to a manufacturing facility. Cells are, are uh, manufactured, and then it's returned in, in really the same format. So oftentimes, and here's the key, when you, depending upon the origin and, and destination, one patient could require up to eight or ten shipments. Mm. Uh, in the U.S., it could require three or four shipments for one patient. So, it's uh, it's it's a lot. It's it's tremendous work on behalf of a team that is dedicated to do this, and that's the only way it would work. And for these businesses, your clients, how important of a role does global supply chain logistics play in their own business? It's really important for a client's uh, confidence that they know they're working with a very well-established organization that has the, the track record, the representation in areas throughout the world. And I believe it's, it's going to become more and more of, uh, of a concern as these therapies you know, begin to gain more market approval Mm. <clears throat> and and that the therapies will be introduced to you know patient populations throughout the world. So, you know, customers really want to to know that when they choose a vendor, because it's a it's a commitment to choose a vendor, um, and they want to know that as they grow and as the patients uh, increase, that we're going to be or 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 that organization is going to be. The, the organization that's going to carry them all the way without any interruption. Do you hear them talking about that? I'm imagining the executives of these companies who are worrying about organs and lives and blood and corneas and all the materials that you are talking about. And the global supply chain, the logistics, is that part of what they talk with you about? Is that, is that part of what they talk with each other about? Um, I'm, it, it's a conversation that without any question takes place with the new exciting therapies that are being developed today. Um, I think that most uh, in the organ and tissue business, transportation is a critical element. Um, but we've been doing it for a long time, and I think it's lost a little bit of its uh, focus. Um, it, it's very reactionary, mm. um, where there's not it's very difficult to plan though you know in defense of that industry you just don't know when the next procurement is going to take place or where um with the cell and gene therapy community there is more of a structure mm. they have identified where the patients are going to be 
Um, you have time to plan for that. So logistics does take a much more front row approach, you know, uh, position in, yes. in, the, in this discussions. What do clients need to know about the commercialization of drugs? Well, every that's the interesting thing about this industry as well. You know, from a traditional perspective, when it comes to uh, drug development, you know, everyone used specialty couriers for the drug development because it was critical to get those samples, the, the investigational drug to the patient, the patient samples back to a lab to analyze them. You know, and then over the course of, you know, six, seven, eight, ten years, if they get commercial approval, then the type of requirement in transportation wasn't as critical. So they could use lesser, uh, you know, modes of transportation, oftentimes using, you know, freight forwarders and, and overnight courier services. The, the cell and gene therapy community uh, puts as much emphasis on transportation from a commercial perspective as they do in a clinical perspective. So they're always going to use a commercial courier, a, a specialist courier, even, even when granted commercial approval. It's, it's a decision they make early and it's a decision they hope will, you know, maintain throughout the course of time so that as more patients become uh, available and are urgently needing these therapies, they have the courier set with a track record of success. Are there any insights? Is there specific guidance, maybe even a, a list of tips that you would give clients of what they need to be thinking about when they're thinking about the commercialization of drugs? Yes, absolutely. As I mentioned earlier about get, engaging with us very early on in a clinical perspective, you want to be in a room with all stakeholders to talk about the risks of doing it this way and the, the best course of action uh, to, to represent this clinic, uh, given the manufacturing is going to be in this city. Those decisions are, it's imperative that those decisions are made very early on in the process so that, you know, the, the whole idea is, you know, they want to be able to extend these therapies to all that suffer from various uh, indications. And the numbers can be daunting. You know, the patients with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, there are 70,000 people diagnosed with that ailment every single year. Only the very, you know, illest mm. are able to receive these therapies. Mm. So if they if they get the approval to dose more and more of these early diagnosed patients, that's a lot of people. And they want to know that they're partnering with somebody that has the capacity, the scalability to be able to represent their product to this community, to these patients. That is a lot of people. Dave, as we start to close the conversation. I'm curious in listening to you as the world of cord blood therapies and more personalized medicine continues to evolve. What does that mean for the world of logistics? How does the global supply chain need to keep improving to keep pace with the changes that are being made in these uh, specialized healthcare areas? Um, well, I think what we've built is, is, you know, it's about being sustainable for for the growth and the popularity of these of these therapies. Um, you know, I believe that um, 
the allogeneic therapies, the, the, the uh, cord blood type of therapies that are being used for, for, um, for patients is probably going to by far exceed those of, uh, of an autologous nature, meaning a personalized medicine. So, you know, our goal all along uh, through technology uh, and, and many other things was to demonstrate our scalability, to be able to manage the influx of, of new therapies that will be out there, both clinically and commercially. So, you know, it's really about demonstrating your ability to grow with this community. And that has been a focus of ours from the inception. And Dave, to close this conversation, I'm going to ask the impossible, but having listened to you now, the impossible doesn't seem so daunting for you. So I feel pretty confident about this. I want you to look into the future. What are the trends? What changes do you see around the global supply chain logistics for the, for the specialized healthcare world? Well, we've started, you know, something with the airlines in, in trying to, you know, further educate the, the need of, you know, enhanced services. Uh, and, and the airlines have really stepped up to the plate. We, this is a continuing, ongoing uh, conversation that we have with, with all, if not most airlines, that, that have uh, enhanced services. Um, I believe that's going to be a conversation that will have no end. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, the airlines have been extremely cooperative and interested in, in providing solutions within their massive, massive organizations. But, you know, the, the key to the future is going to be also technology and what we can bring to a client uh, with with technology offerings that allow um, you know, just more visibility uh, with with each and every one of their patient samples and shipments. Um, we're well on our way uh, in in making some uh, some tremendous enhancements to our current world class technology. Um, but I believe it's it's going to be subtle, you know, changes that will continue to to help the community have the confidence to know that, you know, Quick is the organization that's going to bring them uh, into the next decade. Yeah, confidence has to be key when you're talking about the products that you're moving, the companies that you're dealing with, and the lives that you're touching every day. Dave, thank you. Thank you for the conversation, and thank you for the work that you and your team do for people all over the world every day. Chris, thanks for the kind words. It's, uh, it's a team effort. It was a pleasure speaking to you this morning. That was my conversation with Dave Murphy. My thanks to Dave for joining and you for listening. To learn more about Quick's global logistics solutions or to subscribe to our podcast, go to quick.aero, that's A-E-R-O, slash podcasts. Mm-hmm.